This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. You're listening to Goodfellas Minute 33. <laughs> I know I'd go from rags to riches if you would only say. Hello and welcome to Goodfellas Minute, the only podcast that analyzes the Martin Scorsese picture Goodfellas one steady cam minute at a time. I am Josh. I'm here with Ron. Hello. And also Jeff Kanata. Hey guys, I'm so honored to be here for this particular minute. This is like. 
the best minute I could be here for. I'm so excited. <laughs> it really, I mean, it's funny because we 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 often talk about. I mean, we're watching this minute by minute, and and Josh and I are particularly guilty of this. Where we're like, "Oh, this is my favorite scene. This is my There's favorite no, scene." They're not they're, and, so far. I mean, we are we're, we're 33 minutes. There, there literally have not been a bad minute. Right. Right. Yeah, but but it's funny because like we ju- we we pre- we have already done the introducing the mobsters with Jimmy two times, and I feel like that, that's that's a very popular scene. The the Tommy, you think I'm funny? That whole thing yeah. is a very popular thing. But this is also one of the most you know famed scenes of the whole movie. The McConkie steady cam shot. I think it's yeah. the most. I like this. I like how we're re- we're giving him his due. McConkie. Somewhere, somewhere McConkie's like, you know, I feel good. He doesn't know why, but it's happening. <laughs> but this is probably the most aped. Or, or you know, homage thing in the movie. It's got to be. It is, yeah, 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 and and rightly so. I mean, I think sure. it's an it's an amazing. It was an amazing feat at the time. It's an amazing thing. It's still amazing. I mean, it's slightly less amazing in the era of you know movies like Birdman and mm-hmm. uh, you know films and digital effects where you can stitch together shots and mask edits and make it seem like everything's all one shot. But but just knowing right. that this was all McConkie. And uh, it's the it's still yeah. the coolest way to enter any place ever. Right. Well, well. So, so Josh, give us the the beginning and the ending of the. Yeah, minute. I'm so I got yeah. so excited. So the, it yeah. starts with the the hidden door opening, uh, and a, a ruffled uh, shirt doorman lets us in, uh, and it ends with leaving the kitchen. Yeah. So, so and what's so this what is, is really this one minute almost completely encompasses the sort of back alley. Uh, experience yeah, yeah yeah and going back to mcconkie this entire shot this entire moment was lit blocked and filmed in a half a day wow before wow. lunch before lunch wow, wow. so wait, they wait wait they, wait, wait. They, they they blocked it they did all the lighting and they did all the planning all that before lunch and then they waited at night and then filmed it at night oh, okay. you don't want to get that between mcconkey and his lunch that's yeah. it's notorious well, yeah he ends up, he's he's union so yeah. let's be yeah. honest well <laughs> um, we gotta understand you understand the first walk through they, they were on a they were on an adjusted day schedule right they did they did the first walk through in the late afternoon you know and then they went into the night so when they broke for lunch it was actually dinner you know that's right. no, that's so, what i was yeah. actually gonna ask yeah yeah now, one, my favorite thing about this now is to watch and look for the lights Yes, like find that's, where they it, hid the lights. Yeah. That's truly uh, something that I think m- many people who you know don't know a lot about how movies are made perhaps mm-hmm. could overlook in in this and the idea that at no point does you know f- the camera never adjusts for light. No. There is never any point at which we can't see our main characters. Yeah. There is no it, that is an extraordinarily difficult thing to it's, do to go in amazing. and out. From the outdoors to the indoors, into different rooms through tight space, and we never see wires, we never see light fixtures. It's all, it, it's all, uh, as if it seamless. was naturally lit. Yeah, seamless in into the into the scene, and it's it's an amazing feat. It's an and, amazing. And feat not only not only is it seamless and all that sort of stuff, but also if and as we go through, and I'm sure we're gonna have observations about the track that they take. It is not a easy environment to navigate. No. And, right. and and if anybody has seen filmmaking and seen a Steadicam, especially a Steadicam in 1989, let's be honest, you know the, the size of cameras and the equipment have changed, right? The the fact that he doesn't bump or do anything is is amazing. Like well, talk McCon- about McConkey's yeah. a pro. McConkey, I know, I know it's McConkey. I mean, I feel you know, but uh. <laughs> and I you know also just sort of what's happening in the scene, like you never get a sense that. Leota or Bracco are, are slowing down or speeding up to compensate for anything. They are completely natural in the scene. Everything is happening. 
it is it's it's remarkable. It, you feel like a fly on the wall yeah. as you should, and it, there's no it doesn't you don't feel the technical nature of the shot. Well, yeah. I you know I did. It's a little in the next minute near the end of it. You do feel like uh, how it's very sped up. I think which is supposed to, and I, I think we can get into that a little bit. But I, you're absolutely right. Like this this bit through the kitchen is one of the most. Um, I wrote down it's like one of the most lived in real scenes ever like it really feels like we're going through a working kitchen you know from the sort of well yeah. they are i, I know mean, but are. like all the yeah. extras they you know they seem like the real people i assume they are everything that's moving around all those pieces like it looks like a working kitchen it sounds like it it, it you know everything is is where it's supposed to be and it's it's Oh, it's so good. <laughs> like so it, it good. deserves all of the praise that it gets. And yeah. it's difficult with a scene like this sometimes to not just devolve into but look at it. <laughs> right, yeah. Well yeah, well let's let's do let's do that a little because okay. we got you know well or or do we want to talk about the Copacabana first? Do we want to set the stage? Because you were talking why about it. Why don't if you, you tell us about the Copacabana a little bit and then we'll go okay. through some of the bits so, that happened. So the Copacabana uh was uh, the premier nightclub in New York City uh from the time that it opened on November tenth, nineteen forty, uh up until the up until the early nineties. It was located at ten East Sixtieth Street, which for those of you who are familiar with New York City today is one block north of of the Apple Store on Fifth Avenue, and one block east of the of Central Park, uh, so that kind of situates really? you there in the city. Yeah, that's pretty um, Tony. Yeah, and uh, this actually, you know, quite often, previously in other scenes in the movie, uh, they filmed a location that represented another location in the city. Not in this case. This is the actual Copacabana. Uh, it was still open and functioning in 1989 when they shot this, and it wasn't until 1992 did it move to West 57th Street. So everything here, the ki- when you said it looks like a working kitchen, it was a working kitchen. It was the same working kitchen that opened in 1940 and ran all those years. It was owned by a guy named Monty Prosser, who was a British nightclub owner and press agent. And he opened the club and he used his skills as a press agent to get celebrities like Walt Disney and other movie stars and things like that to come to the club when it first opened. But very early on, he took on a business partner by the name of Frank Costello. Ooh. And if you're familiar with the New York Mafia, which which I mean, if you're familiar with the myth of the New York Mafia, because Jeff, I don't know if you're aware, but the Mafia doesn't exist. Oh, of course right. not. Yeah, of course not. Okay, yeah. So, but it's been said that if the mafia exists, Frank Costello was the mob boss after Lucky Luciano and one of Lucky Luciano's original crew. So very early on, Frank Costello comes on board. He hires a guy named Jules Podell to be there as quote unquote his man. But uh, due to issues with the club that had uh, taxes and racketeering accusations, Padel couldn't run the club. So uh, Monty Prosser ran the club. But by 1948, all that pressure lessened. Um, because Dewey left New York City, <laughs> and uh, and Jules Padel took over the club and, and ran it from that point on. The club opened with a Brazilian theme and focused on Latin uh, Latin music, and it also served Chinese food, which was a novelty in the forties. I had a question about that because yep. a lot of the a lot of the kitchen staff were Asian, and I thought, yes. is the, was the Copa an Asian place? Was it it, ser- it served Chinese food? Huh. Even- Despite the Brazilian theme and Latin music. <laughs> but then when they come around the corner to where the, the chefs are in their chef hats, yep. uh, they look like French chefs. Yeah. Well, yeah, who knows? So uh, in the time period of the 50s, it became the, the ultimate amazing uh, nightclub. Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis, Sammy Davis Jr., The Supremes, Marvin Gaye, The Temptations, Sam Cooke. Those are all people who performed at the Copacabana in the, in the 40s, 50s, and 60s. Um, numerous live albums were recorded there, like The Supremes. Sam Cooke recorded a famous live uh, record that was you know, Sam Cooke live at the Copa. It gained a little notoriety in May of 1957 when Mickey Mantle, Whitey Ford, Yogi Berra, and Billy Martin got into a fight at the club. Oh, God. <laughs> 
video of that. Yes, I we know. wouldn't have. Uh, <laughs> they literally um, didn't have video. <laughs> no, I know, but it would, yeah. what if we could have had video yeah. of that? Yeah. yeah. If only there were cell phone cameras then. Yeah. Oh, God. It was a um, world well, maybe that video would have been taken by a little bit of personal note. Uh, my grandfather worked at the Copa in the 40s, in the, uh, in the early 50s, as a dancer. Um, really? Whoa. Yeah, so, yeah. See, that changed right at the end. Because <laughs> I was like, oh, he was like a busboy as a no. dancer. Whoa. Yeah, no, he was a performer. He was a dancer. He worked. He worked at the at the Roseland. He worked at the Copa. He yeah. He it was uh it was any any spot where you can get work as like uh, part dancing. Like stage show. No, yeah, like they would they would have dancers who knew how to dance. Whether it was the Latin dances, the salsa dances, all these things. Because in the forties and fifties, nobody had ever seen that stuff, you know. Right. So it was all very dramatic. And there's actually, my dad has got this great. Um, there was a movie. Um, one of those they used to shoot movies in Times Square and things like. Not those kind of movies, but and uh, those too. Yeah, but, but my grandfather is in one of those movies where it's a whole dance number and it's a whole kind of it's a Latin themed you know kind of samba kind of thing and he's That's he's very so rad. yeah very debonair very uh, huh. he, he he was quite he was quite the guy so um, yeah so he so a little and I've bit never a little even seen you dance a little bit a little bit of Richard's uh, history uh, yeah but you know what. I see. I see the debonair. I see the debonair. <laughs> At least the performance aspect. Yeah. Yeah. But okay, we'll but, uh, but yeah. So to sort of so wrap up the the history of the Copacabana, it closed in 1973 after after Podell died. Um, but then it opened again in 1976 and became what would a nightclub in 1976 be? Disco. Disco. Disco which then led to the 1978 Barry Manilow song called the Copacabana. Yeah, which is sort of about the old Copa. Yes, yes, which tells the story of the old Copa and the current Copa. Yeah, exactly. It functioned as a nightclub uh, until 1992 when it moved to West 57th Street. And then in 2001, it moved again to West 34th Street and 11th Avenue. Um, and actually at this location, Connor and I went to a uh, a kind of a, a college reunion kind of little meeting, like New York City alumni from our college party at that location. It was really lame. <laughs> um, I remember that. I remember that it was in two, it was in year two thousand or two thousand one, and it was yeah. Is there any information as to what the the word Copacabana is? Or well, it's it's Brazilian. It's as I told you, is the uh, in in terms of the the name and uh, and. <laughs> I'm I just trying want to, to see you try to figure. I thought you were going to try to like fake your way through it. It's well, as I'm as I'm the typing, cup it. of the cabin. As I'm, <laughs> isn't, isn't actually literally like Copa is cup. Yeah, and a cabana is like a like a little cabin or like a yeah. beach hut thing, right? Oh, it's the drinks that you get in a cabana. Okay, I'll, yeah, I'll buy that. So. Yeah. Okay, go with that. I can't find anything. That, that I'll give you an email at the end to tell me why I got that wrong. But uh, my Portuguese is crap. So what do you want? Great. Contact at goodfellowsminute dot com. Um, so finally, the uh, it closed in two thousand seven uh, on West Thirty Fourth Street and Eleventh Avenue because the building was condemned to make way for the uh, seven line subway expansion, which literally just opened uh, recently. And then it uh, in two thousand eleven it reopened once again now on West Forty Seventh Street in Times Square, where it operates today mainly as a salsa club. Wow. So, yeah. It's so interesting you- because like a, like the club moved the club like yeah. the club's a plate, you know, like it's it's yeah. a, it's yeah. a physical space, so it's interesting. Was this shot in the area of the original one or this was shot in the original Copa. This is the, the and the original Copa was open at that time. Like it right. reopened in 76 and stayed open until 92. So they rented it out for this shot. So All right. Cool. Yeah. So let's so let's, let's, let's dive into it. the shot. Yeah. So the first thing that we that we see here is Henry literally holding his hand out. With a wad of money, basically, you just take some of this money. Which <laughs> yeah. I think is a bold move. But Isn't this the coolest way? It. Don't you kind of fantasize about a place? I mean, it's a cliche, I guess, but a place where literally every single person he walks by knows who he is, and he's got like a a cool thing to say to him. 
You know, it's 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 the pimpest way to bring a lady anywhere is every single person in here acknowledges me, knows who I am, and it's just it's just like the coolest thing, man. Of course she's going to fall for him. Well, I had two notes on that that specific thing. One is do all the gangsters get this because there are a lot of them. Yeah, right. Yeah. And Henry at this point was not like a big guy. He wasn't he wasn't a capo. He wasn't if that was a thing. He wasn't, you know, he was just he was just one of the the soldiers, really. Yeah, yeah. No, he he's a low-level guy at best. Right. And so he's getting this so that leads me to my second question is is this really how it was or is this just how it felt? That's Bro, a good question. Interesting. It's a good question. And I think that this is a little more of the cuz that whole first we're still in the golden era here. I mean, we're 30 33 minutes into this part of the movie is look how great these lives are. Yep. Right. Is what we're doing. So we're still in that. So this is a little more of how it feels, I think. Or or how it felt to Karen to be swept up into it. And to her, like her recollection of it. And also Henry Hill, who was a who was a huge liar. Um <laughs> <laughs> you know, like if we're gonna be honest about it, you know, this would be their their fantastical version of it, and it was shot in that way. Yeah. Yeah, it certainly has that dreamlike quality. Mm-hmm. I never really thought it might be uh, a stylized, uh, you know, interpretation of someone's mm. remembrance of that moment. I always took it as literal fact, but that's an interesting way to think about it. I think it's a really interesting way that it was shot in that you can sort of take it that way. And as we yeah. close it up uh, going into the next minute, I, there's a couple of clues about that I think that work a little a little better. Um, as we're going through, we see Gino enjoying <laughs> his sandwich. Enjoying a real nice roast beef sandwich. Oh, yeah, no, it's it's a good-looking sandwich, and he's yeah. not breaking bite for anybody. He's, he's going to go through with that. <laughs> <laughs> which I like, but nope. he knows Henry. He knows his name. It's good. Yep. Uh, uh, we, we, he walks by, he walks by the, the couple that is canoodling and that yep. Henry jokes with and says, every time I come here, don't you work? And I, I'm like, are these club employees? Oh, that was my question. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Is, What's is the that... dude writing on the wall? What's that about? Oh, yeah. Well, I don't know what like that a is. Like a guy like writing something yeah. and he has to use the wall to write on it. I don't know why that would be. Yeah. It's odd, right? That's is he using is he thing. using it as a uh, like just to, to as to write on you know for basis I don't know yeah yeah it seems like an odd thing. What I want to know is if those two people making out do they really do that every time he goes there? Well, here's the thing. Here's <laughs> or the thing. does if, he go there that often? If you look closely, they're not actually making out. Mm-hmm. They're just chatting. Like she's okay. against the wall and they're laughing and they're talking. Yeah. And she's got her hand on her hip and 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 he kind of teases them, you know. And uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know, I don't know what's going on there, but that's, he should work. Nicer. Don't you work? Don't you work? I feel like the the wall riding guy is yeah. literally like they 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 planned out the shot right. Camera comes around the corner and there's this giant bland green wall. You're right. And they were like, yeah. we needed something to break this up with some color, with some activity. Can we get a person here? Well, what can the person be doing? That's a good. I that's a know. very good point. Yeah, that's you know, a very it, good point. It yeah. feels like it's just so, so arbitrary that this dude is like. You know, filling out the pay stubs yeah. against the wall. Like, why would he be doing that? Well, there you go. I mean, and then, that, that's one of the things that makes the scene brilliant is that there's, you know, unless you watch it minute by minute like this, you're not realizing that that like they've taken every single measure possible. Right. Yeah. And, that, and that there isn't a blank spot. And the thing right. is, and the thing is, is that I don't know for sure, and I'm sure someone will write in and correct us if I'm wrong, but I get the feeling that a lot of the people in the scene up to this point are actually club workers and not extras. Mm-hmm. It certainly because, feels like that. Yeah, because because they walk, they turn the corner of the gray wall, and we see in the background a lone waiter with a uh, carrying one glass of wine going up in an elevator, and he's very excited to be there and looks directly at the camera. 
<laughs> and like kind of grins a little, you know. Um, I'm in one of the greatest films of all time. And then and then that's followed by one of my favorite workers where they turn the corner and they bump into two arguing Chinese cooks who Henry then pushes out of the way and laughs about it. <laughs> right? Like he kind of he kind of nudges them out of the way and then does the Leota laugh looking back at them. Hey, look at those Chinese guys I pushed. <laughs> 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 and then you see who I think it must be John Ritter scooping ice. <laughs> I'm pretty I, sure it is. It is a uh, it is it is a, a John Ritter lookalike. That's yeah. for sure. That, that is that is one ball haircut. <laughs> he is <laughs> he is he's coming knocking on everybody's Come door. On, That's scoop what he's up doing. My ice. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, and all of this stuff is swirling around. It's wonderful, and it leads me to the question. Yep. By the time they get into the kitchen, I'm wondering for myself: Is this really more convenient? No, it's just more badass. It's just yeah. more badass. Yeah. I mean, if they could have just skipped the line, I bet that would have been better. Well, but the thing is that they skip the line. They've got to deal with everyone in line. And we see later on, actually tomorrow, we'll find out what the reaction is to people skipping the line at this club. Yeah. And I don't know if, how many clubs you've been to where there's a line. And when somebody cuts ahead it's all, and you're in that line waiting, that's not yeah. a good situation. So Probably going through the back literally door. Literally none. Yeah, well, I, yeah, so. um, I've gotten into the club when there have been people in line and they don't like it. Yeah, um, but hey, if they don't go through the kitchen, they don't get to see the chef with the big French chef with the hat mm-hmm. and they don't get to see the, the, old, the old waiter who's very happy to see Henry. That's my yeah. favorite guy in this yep. entire minute. That's yep. my favorite guy. That dude, if, if there's any proof that they use the real people from, the, yep. from this place, that, that's a guy that's not an extra. That is yep. the real deal dude. Like yep. that guy has served me food before. I can get, guarantee it. I think that guy paid a, a general in the rebellion in the first Star Wars too. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so they go past that guy and they see the, the chef carving the enormous butter swan. And mm-hmm. uh, this actually is my favorite moment as a busboy behind him is wearing a Mets hat. Oh, so, so there you go. Uh, what is a uh, butter swan for? Do you for, just like swipe off pats of butter off the it, swan? Listen, Jeff, this is opulent. This is this is 1967 at the Copacabana. They make right. they make swan statues out of butter. Did you, did you put a lot of butter on the Chinese food at the time? Because <laughs> I can't think of a lot of Chinese food where I was like, you know what, this could use. That's why they uh, had all the excess butter. They just turned it into a swan. They're like, they, just make it into a swan. Yeah, we don't we need don't, any butter. The our- Chinese guys were the ones that go, we don't need all that butter. That's, no, we're working. We have this oil here. We're good. <laughs> She's going to take the butter and just, I don't know, make a swan out of it. I don't know. Just get it out of here. I got to tell you that as a, as a young teen watching this movie, um, and this is really my first exposure to a commercial kitchen, it made me very interested in restaurant kitchens. I can mm. see that. Yeah. Yeah. This was very, because it, it just seemed so busy and everything that was happening. It just, it, it was all happening. It was exciting. Yeah. Ah, all right. Well, that, that takes us through the kitchen. Uh, do we have any other, any other comments or observations here? That's uh, that's enough. I think that is yeah. enough. Yeah, <laughs> that'll do. <laughs> All right. Okay, that'll do for. It was like he was a dream. It swept me <laughs> off my feet. That's it for minute thirty-three. Uh, you can tune in tomorrow, of course, for minute thirty-four. Until then, you can check us out on Twitter, Goodfellas Min, or at Instagram or Facebook, at Goodfellas Minute. And you can find all of our episodes, of course, at GoodfellasMinute.com, where you can also find GoodfellasMinute.com/support. Uh, where you can find links to our Patreon and to our Amazon links uh, to help support the show. If you have any questions, like we said earlier, if you uh, if you know Portuguese and you know a better translation of Copacabana, that's good. Contact at GoodfellasMinute.com. Come back tomorrow. We're gonna we're gonna name our uh, Patreon uh, of the week. No, that's gonna happen on Friday. Oh, is it? Yeah, this, this is Wednesday. We still got yeah. We still we still got another minute of steady cam. It's a long Josh. scene. It's a long scene. That's yeah, what I'm saying. Be, but come back for yeah. Friday for that because that is an awful lot of fun. Jeff, yep. we, you're yes, in. Sir. 
I'm in. All right, that's can't good. get rid of me. You can't. You can't. You can't. You can't abandon at this point. You got to see what no, happens. I'm, yeah. yeah, exactly. It's a good decision. <laughs> Just saying. You don't want to. You want to back out now. Yeah, and 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 if you did, we would have to have a conversation. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> it'd, it'd be a real shame. It'd be a real shame, Jeff. It would. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I'm I'm here, guys. I'm here. <laughs> I'll do whatever you want. Listen, it'd be a real shame if if your Heroes of the Storm characters uh just disappeared. What? Uh, you, 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 oh, please, uh, <laughs> nice, guys. It's a nice website you got there. It's a real nice Twitter profile you got there. You got a lot of <laughs> yeah. followers, I see. Real nice online presence. You would yeah. want them to see yeah. certain pictures. Be, what's this delete button do? <laughs> There we go. Uh, right. You could also uh, you go to our site, ifanboy.com, if you like what we do. But with comic books, you can do that. So until tomorrow, I am Josh Flanagan. I'm Ron Richards. And I'm Jeff Kanata. And you better be scared. <laughs> I'm scared. <laughs> or will I go from a rags to return? My fate is up.